we are ready for part three of what I have learned in six months abroad. Now we are going to talk about Thailand. Okay, so part three of this, what have I learned in six months abroad? So I was in Taiwan, I went to Vietnam, I went back to Taiwan, and then I decided to go to Phuket, Thailand for a while before hopping over to my next adventure, which is not going to be covered in this podcast because it's past the six month part. So there's really no need to do that. But I went to Phuket for one month. Now I decided, even though I was just going for one month to get the the three-month tourist visa before I landed. So I applied for the three-month tour visa. It was only like $40. Got that all sorted, submitted, approved before I left Taiwan. I also booked an apartment through Airbnb in the middle, the heart of Phuket, in a place called Katdu. I would not do that again, ever. That was a very bad decision. However, I had no idea that was a bad decision when I booked that apartment. And it did get better reviews than anywhere else. And they also had better utility fees than the other places. Now, what I mean by that is there are a lot of apartments available on Airbnb at a very good price. But what they don't tell you is they often require a very large deposit, which when you click and read the notes, it's going to tell you that. And they also require a lot of money for the um, electricity fee. I didn't want to have to spend like $600, $700 on an apartment in Phuket. So that's why I went with the middle one in Katdu because number one, it was clean, it got good reviews, and they didn't get charged a deposit fee. And their electricity was charged at the same rate as a native Thai person would pay. Those were my reasons. However, when I landed in, I, I ended up in Bangkok first. When I went to Bangkok, I then took a plane to Phuket. It was a night flight, so it was late. I tried to get a morning one, but that was not possible given the situation and my budget. I did not feel unsafe at all during the entire flight experience. There was not one time I felt uncomfortable or weird in any way. I also paid for the extra foot room best decision I have made in a long time. It was only like $14 on Vietjet. So I paid Vietjet Air Asia. Is it Vietjet? I think it's 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 an it's a subsidiary of Vietjet that's in Thailand. I don't know what they call it. I forgot at this point. And it's late, so I'm not remembering quite right. But anyway, so I paid for that. I paid about $140 extra to lug my luggage to um Phuket because I could put it in storage if I wanted to go on to my next place, which I did. And I didn't have to worry about like leaving it in Taiwan. Now I did leave a couple of bags of things with an acquaintance there that I did not need that are like winter things or extra tech because, you know, barring an embargo or something, um, it's not an embargo, barring a blockade, blockade or something like that, I will be going back to Taiwan and can pick those up later, but I didn't want to have to pay even more money in, in baggage fees. So I landed in Phuket at about 10.30 at night. When I got on the plane from Bangkok, I kind of had a bad feeling. It wasn't, how do this is, it was not as bad of a feeling as I had when I was in Vietnam on the plane with the people who seemed a lot like Captain Jack. And I do have to say I met several people in Vietnam who were not Captain Jackish at all. But the people on the plane to Vietnam were definitely Captain Jackish. 
when I left Bangkok, the plane was full of what I would call partying doofballs. I do not mean that bad, but think like um, I didn't finish the series because it aggravated me, but Schmidt in the New Girl, that's what I was dealing with on the plane. Like it was full of all these like college age boys and sometimes their girlfriends and they were just rude and loud and annoying. I'm like, it was a really uncomfortable flight because they were just so ill-behaved, like ill-behaved toddlers. One of two of them kept keeping their phones on to video chat with someone back in like Dubai somewhere to, I think it was Dubai. I'm not sure. They were in the seat ahead of me and I don't speak enough to know exactly where, but they kept video chatting the flight with that person, even though the stewardess came over and asked them repeatedly to turn off their phones. So I'm like, that really bothered me during take-up. I'm like, you know, what if we have an accident or a short in the plane because these two yahoos will not turn off their freaking phone? I'm like, I have never really wanted to tap someone somewhat firmly in the back of the head before, but I'm like, it really was hard for me not to be tempted to do so with those two people that could have brought down the entire plane because they had their phones on. I'm like, you know, there has never been a recorded incident of that kind of interference bothering the plane, but that is why we turn our phones off. So I was like really, really hacked about that. But I'm going, that really doesn't serve any purpose. So I landed in Phuket. I had a very nice driver through Grab who took me to, I guess there are three D condos in Phuket. I had no idea, but it took about another 40 minutes. It took about 40 minutes to find the right decondo with the right key. And I got checked in and it was okay. But that was a little stressful. And I got the key to work, which it was one of those electronic, you know, side keys. So that, that was a little bit much. But got in, all worked out. The apartment was perfect. It was a little on the smallish side, but very, very nice with a washer and a kitchen. I had a kitchen again. That was one of the perks. I was like, I can cook. I love being able to cook. So I got a, a kitchen, the bath, living room. It had the comforter set from the bad buddy scene when they go stay at uncle, um, the guy that runs the uh, recycling village. I was like, oh, this is like having bad buddies staying with uncle so-and-so. I was so happy. That was one reason I booked it. I was like, they have uncle so-and-so's coverlet set. I think that'll be a good place to stay. I was right. So it was very comfortable. However, the thing I did not realize about Katdu is that as the center part of Phuket, which means it is a hub for nightlife. They also have a lot of marijuana sales there, a lot of drinking there, and a lot of like dancing girl stuff there. <laughs> I am not into marijuana or drinking or dancing girls. So this was not really maybe the most ideal spot for me to be. So I was like, um, the other thing that was weird is the local in Phuket are amazingly nice people. Also, I met several um, families from Russia that were very, very nice people. I mean, it was so funny because one of my Korean friends is like, Anna, you must watch out for the Chinese and the Russians. I'm like, I didn't meet one person from China when I was in Phuket. And all the Russians I met were very, very nice people. 
would not trouble anyone. Most of them are there with like their wife or their girlfriend and a couple of children because they're trying to avoid this whole Ukrainian war. I can't blame them. I'm like, I would probably be doing the same thing. So, and they were not the ones that were out drinking or smoking marijuana. I didn't see any of the Russians doing that. I'm sure that some of them do, but none of the ones I was around. However, there seems to be a propensity. I am not sure why, and I am not trying to be stereotypical, but of like, I would say European middle-aged guys that tend to frequent that area of Phuket. And a lot of them are, as they say in Clouseau Pink Panther, very now-now because they're high or they are drunk. Yeah. So that was a little weird. Now, I did not feel unsafe in Kaju. There wasn't one moment I felt one bit like my safety was a problem. Now, I did have a couple of European guys that I think thought they could hit on me, but I just put my mask on. They were like, oh, you're terrified of the COVID. I'm like, I'm not terrified of the COVID. I just really don't want to speak to you when you're high or drunk, one of the two. So I'm like, I don't know if you're from France or Britain or where that accent is from, but um, I, and it really doesn't matter where you're from. I just don't like your attitude. Okay. I was like, you know, I just took care of the guy issue by wearing a mask and people thought I was afraid of COVID, but I'm like, no, this is to keep the guys at bay. <laughs> so anyway, I don't really have that problem too much because, well, for one thing, I really kind of have the flirtatiousness of a barracuda. So I'm like, I'm not very flirtatious, like ever. And if I was, it would not be with that type of person. Actually, I really can't imagine me flirting with anyone if I did not know them for a very long time. So it's like, um, yeah, that's not going to happen with somebody I barely meet who is high and intoxicated. No. So anyway, moving on. The first day I was in Phuket, I went to the Sonin Massage Center because my six-hour flight from Taiwan had left me really, really sore. Now, it wasn't the flight to Bangkok that was the problem. It was actually the one-hour flight from Bangkok to Phuket because it was so stressful with everyone not listening to the stewardesses and the loud noises. I mean, everyone was so noisy on that flight. So anyway, I'm like the flight of the doofballs. But anyway... <laughs> My back was not good because I was so tense from that flight and I had filmed for six hours. So I decided to book a sauna massage for one hour for the office massage that Saturday. I went for this massage. It was the best $20 I could have spent. It was actually an hour and a half massage, I think. And um, back felt all better. Very professional massage because my, my best friend from India is like, Anna, you really need to be careful at the massage centers because sometimes they're doing things that are not massage at the massage centers. And I know that would not be okay with you. I'm like, I will be very careful. I will. So I got the massage center that said it was more like a Japanese massage. They bring you out like this wonderful cup of tea that's very nice and Japanese style. And then I went to have an Italian soda. And uh, what I asked for was the most non-spicy meal on the menu um, at a family restaurant that was nearby and they brought me diced up chili peppers in rice with egg so 
I decided at that point that I probably couldn't eat out in Thailand too much because I cannot do spicy. So I didn't eat out that whole month. <laughs> I cooked at home a lot. But anyway, I then got a motorcycle taxi cab ride. And I had actually gotten a motorcycle ride. It was my first. I had never ridden a motorcycle until I went to Phuket. I oh, know that's not true. I rode a motorcycle in Taiwan once to go look at a property with a real estate agent. So I did ride a motorcycle there, but I had rode my second motorcycle ride in Phuket and we're, we're going down the road in Katdu and I'm like holding on to the back of the motorcycle because that is how I ride the motorcycle because the idea of putting my hands around someone I even knows waist or shoulders is not going to probably happen in this lifetime except there is one exception which i will explain a little later in this podcast but anyway so i took my first motorcycle ride or second motorcycle ride to the um no it was my third because that morning i had first gone to the big c supermarket because I realized I did not have a motorcycle helmet as I was careening down the road to Big C to get groceries and whatnot. And I'm like, Anna, you are on a motorbike in Thailand and you do not have on a freaking helmet. I'm like, what were you thinking? I'm going, number one, I was thinking I do not have a helmet. Number two, it really didn't cross my mind until I was like halfway down the road to the Super C that I was missing, you know, the helmet. So I'm like, I really just need to be relaxed because there's nothing I can do about this until we get to the destination. So when I got to Big C, I bought a motorcycle helmet for like 10 to $15 with the, the visor. I bought groceries. I ran late at Super C because I thought I couldn't buy my groceries closer in. So I thought I'm just gonna spend like 90 bucks, get everything I need here for the month pretty much except for maybe some fresh produce and then I will take this back to the to the to the condo and then I will go to the Sony massage well I ran like half an hour to an hour late so I had to keep messaging the Sony massage I was like I am so sorry I'm hardly ever late for appointments but today I ran late doing my shopping and I will be there I promise it's just going to take me longer and they're like you don't care whenever you get here so I did my massage. I had my very spicy, what was supposed to be non-spicy meal. I then got on the motorbike to go to Safin Hin, which was beautiful. It was a stunning view. If you haven't been there and you're in Phuket, you should definitely go to Safin Hin. There's a great temple there. There's views of all the little cute islands. I'm sure they wouldn't call it that, but that's what I call it. And there's even some people like fishing and doing things in the water like that. So it's a very, very neat place to be. But I didn't stay there too long because I was really hot and it's humid. So I decided to go back to town and go back to my apartment. But I had this, this older gentleman and his motorbike. And the motorbike was one of these smaller models made in like the 1990s. That's not like one of the supercharged ones. And I am a bigger person. I mean, no offense. I'm like, I'm not super big, but I am a bigger person. And this guy was a really small person. And so when I got on his motorbike, he's like, we, he drops me off his half and hands and he comes and picks me up because he was still in the area to take the cab. And he's like, Madame, he says, you know, I know you're holding on to the back of the motorbike, but it is unbalanced because he was really, really tiny person. He's like, 
if you don't hold on to my waist, the motorbike will not go because this motorbike is not built for two people really. <laughs> so I did hold on to the very skinny tie guy as we went back to my condo. But the funny thing was, is as we're going back to the condo, we're bumping along. I have my hands like this in front, so I'm not even really touching him around his waist because I really want to keep personal space with people. And I'm like, this is probably the most bizarre motorbike ride he's had in a long time with this strange American woman. But anyway, he's like, Madam, I am sorry, but I have to stop on the way to your condo to have a restroom break because I've been driving around for a while. So I will be right back in like three minutes. I'm just going to stop here at this, this like pub place to run in real quick and I will be right back. I promise. And I'm like, you know, everyone deserves a rest break. It's okay. So I'm in the middle of um, Phuket Old Town. <laughs> and I look around and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. I knew this is what my friend was talking about. Because there are some very, very attractive, beautiful Thai girls by this massage center. And they're kind of doing this like, oh, I look very cute kind of thing. And I'm going, that's kind of weird for a massage person to do. I've never seen any massage people do that before. And I'm going, I bet this is one of those massage places. So I'm like, okay, there's a lot of bars here. There's a lot of, there's a hardware store over there. That looks like a nice hardware store. But there's a lot of bars. And there's apparently this um, massage place that uh, looks like they do a little more than massage. So I was like, that was, that was kind of weird. So I was sitting there going, you know, I really don't think I'll probably come back to this part of town. And I know my driver had no no bad intentions of going into the rest stop here. But I'm like, I'm going to be glad when I when I get out of this part of town. Because I'm like, it's not the massage girl's fault. I'm not upset at them. I'm a little upset that they have to have that happen. But I'm like, you know, we have the same thing in Las Vegas. It happens. It's not good, but it happens. So I'm like, you know, we're going to just sit here, wait for our motorcycle guy, and the motorcycle guy came back out, we got on the bike, went back to my condo, but I was like, I really don't like Phuket too much. So I messaged my friend, I'm like, you know, and then I checked the news later on that week, and I guess there was some British guy who decided he was upset, and he literally beat in the sides and windshield of a cab driver in the town I was staying in, in Phuket, in Katdu. It took the police like one day or two days to track him down, and then he went to jail for that activity. And when he was asked why he punched in the cab driver's sides and windshield of his vehicle, the only excuse the British tourist said was, I was upset. I'm still not even quite sure from the news report if I think the British man might have just been walking by this cab driver's car. He wasn't even talking to the cab driver. And he just did this because he was having a bad day. I'm going, that's the kind of attitude I saw a lot with the European tourists. Now, I didn't see that at all with the Russian tourists. None of them acted that way. But I actually had to go to um, the immigration department when I was in Phuket to fill out some extra paperwork. And when I did that, I was like, 
I am surrounded by a lot of really kind of entitled people. And I really wasn't expecting it because I'm like, you know, I don't mean it weird, but I'm going, I know I'm really lucky to have grown up in the U.S. I know that I'm really lucky to be able to travel right now. I, I really realize that. And a lot of people don't have that option. But I'm going, I still don't want to ever make someone feel that I think that I'm better or anything because it really is not something where I feel I'm better than anyone else. I think everyone's equal or they should be. So I'm like, you know, this isn't something where anyone should feel entitled or better than someone else. But that was the kind of vibe I was getting in Phuket. The other strange thing was I went to, um, I went to Seven Hinge. I went to the other main beach that's on the other side of Phuket. I took like a four beach hops. It was very fun one day. But um, if you go to the beach, you can get a motorcycle taxi there, but you cannot get one back. So your cost is probably going to be, if you're in Katdu, it's going to be a 10 to $12 trip round trip to get to the beach on the one side. And the other, maybe like six bucks, because you can get it on the uh, motorcycle cab if you're going to Safin Hin side. If you're going to the other side of the island, good luck trying to find a taxi. You can get one there, but I really don't recommend the motorcycle taxi to the other beaches like, um, oh, it starts with a P, I think. I cannot remember the name of it at this moment. But anyway, it's the one of the most famous beaches in Phuket. I'm sure you can Google it and find out. But anyway, it's by Sea Salt Beach and um, Karen Beach. I went to those two, too. And one other, but anyway, two others. But um, I would not take the motorcycle bike ride to those beaches because that is a very mountainous road, very steep, a little stressful to be on the back of a motorbike, to be honest. Um, the other thing is it's a very dangerous road. They actually had another death on it here in the last couple of weeks because I kind of checked back on the places I've been for the news and someone else had died on that road because of the steepness and the kind of unpredictability of it if you're not familiar. So I would take a taxi or a tuk-tuk. I would only do that through Grab if you do the tuk-tuk, otherwise you can have problems. So I booked a tuk-tuk there back. I would book a tuk-tuk there probably just because I don't want to have to do that on the back of a motorbike. It's a very, very steep incline. And um, so that was my my trips that I took in Phuket. I went to the Safin Hin, went to the other side with the beaches. I also explored the central Phuket Mall. I went to Big C. Um, let's see. I think I went to a couple of other places too, but they're not immediately coming to mind. I went to the Fresh Market in Kat Du. That was a really fun experience. I went there about twice a week. There's a great place that sells chicken kebabs a couple of times a week. And there's another great place that sells traditional Thai desserts. Amazing, amazing food. So highly recommend those. Overall, though, Phuket is like the, one of the number one travel destinations in Thailand. It's also one of the main places that you go to live if you're an expat. It's usually Bangkok, Chiang Mai, Phuket are... Um, Samui, I guess, are the top top places to kind of go to live if you're uh, if you're an expat. I 
would not live in Bangkok if I could help it. Because when I landed in Bangkok, you literally cannot see the sun because the air is so bad in Bangkok this time of year. It could have just been the day I was there, but I kind of doubt it because my acquaintances from Bangkok, like I have a a friend of mine who has lived in Japan for many, many years, but he's a doctor in Japan. He's like, he's from Thailand. He's like, Anna, if you are asthma, you do not want to live in Bangkok. It is not a good place for air quality. Also, it's super crowded. So I don't, I mean, I could live in Taipei, no problems, but Taipei only has 2 million people. Bangkok has like 24 million people and it. it's a huge city. So that I never, I have not been to Bangkok except to transfer flight. And I really don't think I'll probably go there except maybe for like a week to visit one of these um, years to kind of explore once I visited some other countries. But because um, there's a couple of temples I'd like to see in Bangkok and some national park kind of things or city parks that are really cool. But um, Phuket is a very nice, beautiful place. However, my main drawback to like, I thought maybe I'd want to live in Phuket. It would be a perfect place because of the ocean and the, the ease of living because most people speak English, um, very reasonable priced rent, that kind of thing. If you are a partier, if you like to smoke marijuana, if you like to be near nightclubs and bars, it's your place. If you're not into that and the things that that can bring, because I don't mean it was like, I usually am in bed by like 10, 11 o'clock. I get up at five, six o'clock in the morning. I'm either studying or tutoring or, you know, watching a Netflix or a Thai drama on my TV. It's like, I am not very eventful and I am not very loud and I have asthma. So marijuana smoking is not something I'm going to be doing. And I have a health condition, so I don't drink because of that. So it's like, all those things are not really my things. And I really don't like having to deal with like some of my neighbors were smoking marijuana to the point that it was kind of coming into my balcony in my apartment and causing me some breathing issues. So I was like, this is not going to be a place for long term. Now, I do think if you go to Phuket and you go to like the upper part that's near the airport, you have less of that. And you also have less like, I never once felt unsafe in Phuket. There was no time I was like, oh, I'm so unsafe. Even when I was like downtown with all the bars and the um, massage place that wasn't a massage place, I was like, that didn't make me feel unsafe. I just really felt bad that that was a situation for those girls because a lot of them were very, very young. I was like, this is not a good place for them. They're they're beautiful and they deserve better. So I was like, this is this is sad. But um, I didn't feel unsafe. I just felt bad about that. So that's not a problem there. But the the vibe you get in Phuket is very touristy, very commercialized, and just not really my kind of vibe. You can get everything you need there. But the other thing is, is though the rent is cheap, the electricity cost is very high there. Like I had a very small apartment and my electricity was about $70 for the electricity for like one month. That was just one month. So that was kind of pricey. 
especially when you consider like the general electricity costs in Thailand, that's very, very high. Um, the cost of food is very reasonable in, in Phuket if you go to Big C. I got most of my food at the market or Big C, one of the two. Also, the convenience store often has food as well, so you can get it there. It really is just your preference. So that was good. The locals are amazingly nice, like super, super nice, super, super kind. You don't, I didn't meet one local that wasn't just a joy. The tourists, the Russian tourists, very, very nice, very, very polite. Um, again, I have no idea on the Chinese tourists because I didn't meet a single Chinese tourist when I was there. So I'm like, I really have no clue on how that would go. But um, the European tourists, again, I only met European middle-aged men tourists and they were not delightful human beings in any way, shape or form. And um, that was one of the reasons I was like, this would not work, especially with like when I'm looking at a place to live, even though I might only be there for like six months to a year, I always sit there and go, if I didn't abstain longer and my kids were growing up in this place, would this be a good place for them? Phuket is not a place I want to grow up, my kids grow up in because number one, I don't want my kids growing up around middle-aged men that are that way. Number two, I really don't want them growing up in a place where they'd be walking by a massage center when they're a little boy or a little girl. And I have to explain why those women are outside and why they're acting that way. That would not be something I want to have to explain to my kids. So between those two things and the marijuana smoke as well, which I don't really want to have to talk about that to my kids. I'm like, I would just probably say they're smoking. I'm like, they really are just smoking. But I'm like, I don't want my kids to have to smell that. And I don't want to smell that because it triggers my asthma. So I'm like, you know, especially the kind that they're selling there because the people there are getting really quite high and it's causing problems. Now, I do know that I think the new democratic government is trying to put things in place that make it so that the marijuana is not as legal anymore, which I am not against the use of marijuana at all. So for those of you listening to this podcast, it's not that Anna is like anti-marijuana. That's not it. But I am anti-getting intoxicated on any substance to a way that makes you behave in a fashion that you would not be proud of the next day. And that's what I saw a lot of happening in Phuket with the tourists, with either the alcohol or the marijuana usage. I have several acquaintances who use marijuana on occasion, but they do not do that in that manner. <laughs> so I think that is the key component. So between the, the touristy side that was not very positive and et cetera, I would decided that Phuket would not be a place I'd want to live with my kitties and not a place I really want to live as a person just by myself because there is just way too much of the negatives there for me. Now, the other thing that's a little weird to get used to when I came to Thailand was there was a bit of a smell. It's from a fish sauce that's here in, in Thailand, but it's very prevalent in Phuket. Because when I landed, I could not figure out when I was in my condo, I was in a very, very nice condo, but it smelled in the halls like 
I don't know what nice way to say this, but it smelled kind of like urine. And I was like, is someone using the restroom in the halls? Because this smells really, really bad. But then I would walk outside and I was like, I'm smelling it outside on the sidewalks too by the restaurants. And I'm not sure what this is, but it does not smell good to me. And I don't think it's urine, but it smells really, really strange. The only thing that I can equate it to in my travels so far is when I lived in Taiwan, when I first smelled stinky tofu, there was a vendor in Taichung City. I really thought they were burning cow manure because that is what stinky tofu smells like is burning cow manure. I'm not trying to be bad, but it really does. So uh, let's just say it this way. I'm not trying stinky tofu because of the smell. I'm sure if I grew up with it, it would probably be something I'd really like, but yeah. But actually my Thai Taiwanese friends do not like stinky tofu either, so I don't know. But anyway, I actually asked heypai.com what the smell would be, because I'm like, I really don't want to go to a local and say, can you explain to me what here in Phuket smells like urine in the halls and in the restaurants that are out here? What's the smell? Well, according to heypai.com, there is a fish sauce that is prevalent in both Vietnam and Thailand that smells like, you know what? So <laughs> I think it was the fish sauce. I'm still not quite sure, but I know that people were not just you know, urinating on the streets or in the hallways. So I'm guessing it was the fish sauce. The other thing that's a little strange to get used to in Thailand is in the markets, they leave the meat out just unrefrigerated. So unless it's cooked, like if you're buying kebabs, they're usually iced on those. But they had like raw chicken or raw fish just out in the open. This is a little weird to me as someone not from here, or not from Phuket, so I'm not there anymore, so not from Phuket, but, um, and you know, I talked to some of my, like, Korean friends, and my Taiwanese, in Taiwan, they leave meat out too, which is a little strange to me, but in Korea, they do not do that, like, I was talking to my Korean friend who's been to um, Thailand, like, three times now, and he's like, you know, that was one of the things I really had trouble getting used to, was the fish and the chicken or beef that's just left out in the heat. He said, you know, in Korea, we don't do that because it's just not considered okay. And I did not buy any fish or chicken or beef that was left out that way. I bought all my chicken or beef at either Big C or like the 7-Eleven or like the cooked kebabs that are on ice. So that's kind of what I did. The other thing is if you're coming to Thailand, um, you do need to ask what kind of meat it is. The reason is, is sometimes, unless you're okay with it, um, in Bangkok, I know, and in other parts of Thailand, they do eat rats. Now, they are not the rats that are like the farm rats we grew up with in the U.S. They are a special breed of rat that they grow for meat. They do the same thing in mainland China, but I'm not really fond, and also Vietnam. I'm not really fond of eating rats. I've never eaten a rat. It does not sound very appetizing to me. I'm sure it would taste like chicken, but I don't want to eat a rat. So when I order meat, or when I ordered meat in Phuket, I always asked what kind of meat it was because I did not want to order something that was rat. I don't even think in Phuket they sell 
rats at markets because I went to like two to three markets. I didn't see any of the rat meat. Usually the rat meat you can tell because it does look like a rat or a mouse on a stick. So it's pretty easy to tell that that is rat. But overall, I think what I learned about Phuket was I didn't really feel like I thought when I left Taiwan the second time, I would get this great, horrible feeling of loss like I did when I ended up in Vietnam away from my love for 10 days. That was really, really hard. But anyway, <laughs> I did not get that feeling when I was in Phuket. Now, I missed Taiwan in many ways because I was like, you know, if I was in Taiwan, I wouldn't have to worry about that massage thingy like I did in um, Old Town of Krabby. And I wouldn't really have to worry about really rude European tourists that are high or drunk. Because I really only met like two people that were drunk on the subway in Taiwan. And I don't want it weird, but when people are drunk in Taiwan, it isn't like when they're drunk in other countries. I know that sounds kind of weird, but the two people I met when they were drunk, they were actually being taken home by their partners. And their partners are like, trying to corral an adult toddler who really is not angry or mad. He's just kind of a little doofy when he's drunk. Because I'm like, you know, in the States, oftentimes people are angry or mad when they're drunk. In Taiwan, it does not seem to be that way. It's just like they're sitting there going, why can I not get through the kiosk? Or why is my card not working backwards? I mean, it's kind of funny if it was not inappropriate. I'm like this is what a drunk Taiwanese person is. Okay, this is not frightening at all compared to a drunk person in the States or a drunk European in Phuket. So, and I never really felt unsafe around a drunk European in Phuket, but I did feel a little uncomfortable and I just tended to avoid that whole drama because I'm like, I'm not into drama and those people look angry when they're intoxicated. So I'm like totally different vibe than you get off someone in Taiwan who is intoxicated. I still would give them space too, because I'm like, their partner does not need to have to do with people around this corralling business. But anyway, so, um, but overall, I would say I did miss Taiwan when I was in Phuket, but it was a different kind of missing. It wasn't like I wanted to bail on the next flight and land, kiss the earth, and dig my fingernails in so I couldn't be removed. That's how I felt about my trip to Hanoi. Not my feeling when I went to Phuket. Now I'm going on to another place here, another country, and I'm not sure. Like, I went to another place after Phuket, and now I'm on to my next place. But I'm like, you know, I don't know what's going to be like there, but I really haven't had that, like, gut feeling of I have to get back to Taiwan yet. I am sure that will probably kick in here in a few months because I'm like, I'm not going to be away from my beloved Taiwan. I know it's not mine, but I'm like, it's it's kind of mine. So I'm like, I'm not going to be away from that any more than I have to be, but it kind of depends on that mainland China issue. So, and I'm only going for long visits because I can't live in Taiwan until I graduate or whatever. So it's like, you know, but um, I do think overall, the things I've learned about traveling in Taiwan, Vietnam, Thailand is with solo travel, you hear like a lot of people I've met in the States were like, you don't want to travel solo. It's dangerous. What if something happens? 
it's like I was talking with one of my students here earlier this week, and they're also a single one and from Japan, and they're like, I'm really scared to travel solo. And I'm like, you don't need to be scared to travel solo. You are a capable, confident woman. If you can handle yourself perfectly fine in Japan, you can handle yourself perfectly fine anywhere. I'm going, now I, would, I did tell her, I was like, I wouldn't recommend you go to Hanoi on your first trip because that's probably not a good plan. But I'm going, if you go to Thailand, if you go to Taiwan, if you go to South Korea, you'll be just fine. So, you know, I'm going, I've never felt like I was incapable or unsafe. I've had a couple of people I know say, did you ever feel like, you know, bad because you were solo traveling? I'm going, no, I really haven't felt bad. I'm a solo traveler. I felt a little weird when I was in Vietnam, but I'm going, I've thought about that. I'm going, if my, if my best friend were with me, I would still have felt weird. So I'm like, it had nothing to do with me being solo or me being with someone. And I don't mean it where I'm going, I never really look to other people for my protection. So I'm really not really thinking about, is it better if I'm with someone, if I'm better or not? Now, of course, there are certain countries which I do not plan on going to because they're not very safe for solo travelers. But let's face it, they're not very safe for partner travelers either. So I'm like, I probably wouldn't go to those countries even if I was not solo traveling. So overall, I think the main thing is if you're having your doubts on if you're capable, if you can handle whatever comes your way. I will say I've had a few things come my way over the last six months. I handled them. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was like, you know what? You face it. You deal with it. You move on. It's not a big problem. The main thing that was important for me is like to make sure you get your visas way ahead of time before you leave. That's a big point. You don't want to be sitting there like 20 days before your flight going, ooh, will I get my visa? Will it be approved? No, you take care of this like a month or two in advance. Then you just don't have to worry about it. That I think is the main point that I found very, very important was to make sure you have your visas up in a all the paperwork filled out, everything printed. Make sure you get your visa photos. If you're planning your trip and you're not sure about your bookings, always read the reviews. If a place does not have a review, don't stay there. Trust me, don't do it. Don't do it. If it looks super reasonable, if it looks nice in the pictures, don't bother. No reviews, don't do it. I've had several situations where it's turned out to be a miserable experience. So, I only go if it has a review, if it looks good, etc. Now, the other thing that I found slightly problematic is if I could, I would probably stay somewhere six months to a year because then you can get a longer term rental that is way, way nicer, way, way cheaper, regardless of what country you're in. So if you can, I would try to travel to countries that you can either A, stay in three to six months to a year, or B, that you can get a really good rental that's not like maybe month to month, but like maybe every three to six month lease. It makes the price go down tremendously and it's very, very cost effective. I know some people cannot do that. It doesn't work out. So it just kind of depends on what you're able to do, where you're able to go, etc. But so far, I think the main thing that I have learned from this whole experience 
is it's really, really good. It hasn't been, I mean, yeah, there's been stress. Yeah, there's been moments where I've wanted to pull my hair out because, well, I messed something up or I didn't fill out that form right or, you know, whatever. But I'm like, those moments have been very, very minimal compared to the moments that I've sat there with my coffee or boba and gone, look at that view. Look at that view. Look at this. Look at that. I can't believe I'm here. I'm going, I could have spent my whole life without seeing those things. And I am so glad I saw those things. It's like I was traveling down Phuket one day. As I was getting ready to was like, I am going on the motorbike, taxi cab, with my helmet, with my bag of stuff from the market. I'm like, this is the kind of story I will tell my kids someday and we will laugh about. But I would not have been able to tell it or laugh about it if I hadn't actually lived it. I'm like, that's really cool to think about. And that is my final episode of what I have learned so far in my six months of traveling abroad. Check it at the round table. Bye.